It's me, David Webb, and here's a highlight from today's show on Sirius XM Patriot. I'm sure by now you've heard of uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci's resignation. Uh, He will leave uh, his position at the end of the year. Not sure the exact date. Is it December 31st, January 1st? The end of the year. Whatever the case may be. Lots of questions. Lots of questions about uh, the records, the the collusion, the real collusion with big tech, the censorship, uh, whether they throttled back or outright shut down anything including a parody account of Dr. Fauci. So let's talk this through and see what exactly is happening here with Janine you, Eunice, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, Janine Eunice. And Janine, please correct me if I have it wrong. Uh, you're almost there, Janine Eunice. But, but Janine, okay, I, I was close. I was close. You know, onomatopoeia, <laughs> try to play that out. All right, the New Civil Liberties Alliance is uh, keeping a close eye on this. So the judge's order, first, what's in the judge's order specifically? So the latest order from the judge uh, says that the um, government has to turn over certain, uh, well, pretty much emails, but also um, uh, Anthony Fauci and Press Secretary Jean-Pierre and a number of other people in HHS have to answer questions, as well as turn over emails related to the censorship. Um, Specifically, you know, communications they've had with big tech uh, about it. when how do they verify what they've turned over see i and i get that and it's just my cynical self the judge orders them to turn the over these records uh how do they verify that they got all the records that something's not quote missing oh well we can you know honestly we can't really know that um you know unfortunately (laughs) and we also can never know the contents of phone conversations and we know that there were a lot for instance uh zucker mark zuckerberg of facebook or meta um gave anthony fauci his phone number to talk about this subject so the contents of those conversations probably will never know um what one thing we do have is that the judge previously ordered third-party discovery so that means that we got documents from the tech companies themselves including facebook twitter um linkedin youtube and google and so to the extent there are, um, you know, sort of similar questions or similar areas that we're exploring, we could note that, for instance, we got them from the tech companies, but not from the government. And actually, one example of that was that the government had initially claimed there were only a few agencies involved in the censorship, but the documents that we got from the tech companies showed that there were many more. So far, we know of 11. There could be more. You know, I... I have to ask the question and even though we're at the starting point the beginning of the interviews you know where does this go what's the goal here i mean look i believe in transparency any records and every record we can get i think should be out there but you know from your perspective from the new civil liberties alliance perspective uh what's the goal Well, we would like to get a judge to say that tech companies and the government, well, the government can't coerce tech companies, which is what's going on here. They're pressuring them um, to do this with the threat of regulation or other legal consequences if they don't comply. Um, But that the government can't do that in any way. It can't, even if it wasn't um, coercion, the government can't use the tech companies to accomplish what it can't. Uh, And there's a substantial body of case law that says 
you know, um, the government can't use private actors to accomplish its aims. That makes it a constitutional question. So presumably, as most people know, the argument on the other side is that private companies can do what they want. If Twitter wants to censor people who say masks don't work or children uh, shouldn't have to get the vaccine, they can do that. But we're, we know that this, that's not what's happening. The government is coercing them to do it. But even if the companies wanted to do it, um, if they're doing it in coordination with the government, which is obviously what's going on here, that should also be recognized as a First Amendment violation. But it's also important that the Amer- American people know what's going on apart from a court order, and that's what's happening through this discovery. All right. So, and I just want to, you know, walk down this path when it comes to the First Amendment. The point, of course, private companies can do whatever they want. It's that coordination, collusion, uh, force of government. But in court, if, if in whatever way where government gets involved in this, is that a provable, I don't know, is it a provable violation of the First Amendment? Uh, how would that play out? Well, it's, it, right, that's the big open question. And it's, so one of the reasons it's sort of unanswered is because of the nature of social media and the technology, which, you know, say 50 years ago, if the government told the New York Times, you know, don't uh, print views that are critical of our approach to uh, relations with the Soviet Union, um, that would widely be recognized as a First Amendment violation. But at the same time, uh, it wouldn't have the impact that it does now because the New York Times can't censor the voices of most Americans, whereas these social media companies now can do that because, you know, they, everybody has a voice through social media. So, um, so that's why it's sort of new and novel territory. And I think it's really important that courts recognize what's going on here and see that when the government is driving it, um, that, you know, the government is suppressing certain viewpoints. That's what's happening. And they can't do that. Where, when it comes to, say, Fauci and the agency, because it's really not just Fauci. He's obviously the, no. the, the boss, the guy at the top. But where can this go? He, he is retiring. Uh, once he retires, as is often the case, it becomes very difficult to, to draw someone back into the legal process, uh, especially in a civil case. It would be different maybe in a criminal case or would be different, but in a civil case. So how does that play into this? And when he leaves, does this extend to the agency? Um, yes, it will. And, you know, he's not the only one we're looking at, as you noted. He's probably one of the highest up people who was involved in this stuff. But, uh, you know, we know now of around, I think it's 80 federal officials who were um, coordinating with the tech companies, telling them what to censor, who to censor, et cetera. And um, so all of that, you know, will remain. But we're hoping that Fauci, even when he leaves the position, he'll still have to answer questions, um, but possibly, or he'll still have to, you know, he'll still be in the case. I don't think that he should be able to get out of it by retiring. Right, which is, you know, what it seems to be, and I'm, just you know, speaking from observation, but I've seen this play before. Are there other cases that potentially support this, prior cases in civil law that support this process? Um, yeah, so there are cases that are sort of similar, you know, from the technology they had at the time or, or you know, lack of technology. Once you say. There's a case called Bantam Books where sheriffs were going around to bookstores and telling um the, the owners that they, if they sold a certain, I think it was some kind of pornography, they would uh, be subject to prosecution. And those were considered threats that were a First Amendment violation because actually they couldn't be prosecuted um, according to the First Amendment for that. So um, there, and there's another case from Georgia that was quite similar. 
the, the other thing that is worthy of note is when the, the government is involved in this sort of censorship and it causes people to be quiet because they're afraid of the repercussions, that's known as a chilling effect, and that's uh, recognized as a First Amendment violation in and of itself. So plaintiffs don't necessarily have to show that they were actually censored by the government. If they can show that they feared um, reprisal from the government or from third parties because of the government, then that's a First Amendment violation. Let's draw this line and tell me if it connects or not in any way or how it would if it does. Section 230 and this effort to retain the records transparency. Uh, look, there have been emails leaked. There clearly was communication. I don't think that's a, a debate uh, or the key debate. It's to what extent they carried out actions or worked together. Emails between other agencies, similarly, not just NIH and uh, Fauci, CDC and others. But where and how, or if possible, does this lead to a review or could lead to a review of Section 230? Well, that's actually one of the issues here is that the uh, government, Biden and uh, some people below him, have threatened to um, try to get rid of Section 230 if the social media companies don't comply. So in that way, it's sort of being used as a, as a you know, <laughs> carrot and stick um, but there are people who are looking at holding the companies liable for censorship on the theory that they're state actors based on uh, Section 230 sort of favoring them. Um, I don't know. Uh, that's sort of not what I'm working on, and I'm not sure what I think of that argument. No, oh, yeah, I'm curious. That's what talk show hosts are, trying to find the path here. Uh, next yeah. steps, and what if, is, is there a calendar on this for any next steps that we should be aware of? Uh, yeah, so the judge has ordered the discovery. They have to produce it within 21 days, so it should be around then. This was a week ago, um, so in about two weeks. And once, you know, once we get that, we'll uh, have some more information. I think that's probably the next big event. All right. We'll be keeping a close eye on it. Thank you, and sorry for butchering your name. I'm good at butchering your oh, no. name, but I have the ideas right. <laughs> thank you so much. All right. Thank you, uh, Janine Eunice. Uh, and I will, uh, Janine Eunice, I'll get that right for the next interview when we Janine, follow Janine. up with it. Janine, <laughs> Janine, that's it. I don't know why. You know what it is? I wrote E, and I want to go to that E. It's I. All right. Litigation counsel for the new Civil Liberties Alliance. My bad pronunciation aside, nothing intended. Thank you. Looking forward to the next update. Thank you so much. All right. Janine, see, I'm going to get that right. Anthony, right? I, not E. I just follow what they tell me. I'm just throwing Anthony under the bus for a second. I can do that. You can join me live on the David Webb Show Monday to Friday, 9 to noon east on Sirius XM Patriot 125.